Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. It's finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks Podcast. I'm Jim Haney, Executive Director, and today we're going to be doing a recovery roundtable, talking about the 10 guiding principles of recovery, and specifically, we're going to talk about the many pathways to recovery. I have two special guests here with me today. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Ashley McLean. I'm the Recovery Coach Supervisor for Montana's Peer Network. And my name is Bill Devil, peer specialist working at MCDC for Montana's Peer Network. Well, thanks so much to both of you for, for doing this. This is part of our Guiding Principles podcast series. And today we're talking about many pathways. I'm just going to jump right in. I'm going to throw this out there. So uh, when you first started in recovery, did you know there were many pathways? I, I personally didn't. I, I mean... I guess hindsight, looking back, I can see that I tried some different pathways that I suggest to the peers that I work with now. But for myself, I felt like the pathway that I chose, which is um, was 12-step, was the only way for me. It was the only way. It was the last house on the block. And if, if this didn't work, then I was doomed to a life of chaos, basically chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know for myself, I wasn't seeking recovery, I wasn't looking for recovery, but the Department of Corrections thought recovery would be a good idea for me. Um, (laughs) So court ordered to go to mental health treatment, court ordered to go to 12-step programs, and then after a period of time, I thought that recovery would be possible. So I only knew of one way, or one way that was suggested, and so... Once I was willing, that's the pathway that I followed. Once being in recovery, I have come to find that there are many different pathways to recovery and we need to each be respectful to one another and help each other find that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's well said, well yeah. said, Bill. Yeah, I, I asked that question because I, I think for myself, the one that was presented to me I thought was the way, like the only way. Nobody said there were many pathways to me. And 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 I got into recovery in the mid-90s. So it was like, this is the pathway to recovery. And that was it. And, and I think back over the years and I think, wow, how my views have changed mm-hmm. about recovery and, and what what is available, what is possible, and what does that really mean it's like, I, I remember the first time somebody said to me they were in recovery, but they still uh, smoke pot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was, a, that was a no brainer for me. Like you're not in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of the knee jerk reaction. Yeah, knee jerk is you're not in recovery then. And today yeah. I, I too, like you, Jim, like my, my views have opened up to You know, that's a form, that's a pathway, right? That's a moderation. Like if you were, if you were drinking a 12 pack, Mm -hmm. you know, a day and Mm -hmm. you now are moderating with, I'm now I'm just going to smoke a little weed and your quality of life has improved. Like, Mm -hmm. does that, 
mean you're not in recovery? Yeah. And T- who, today, and, I don't think that. And who am I to judge? To judge. Whether that's right for you or right. Like, yeah. who am I to say yes or no? And, and I think when I used to do a lot of peer support, you know, I, I meet people who would tell me that, and I'm just using this as an example with the smoking pot, that it was better than the medication mm-hmm. that they were being prescribed by their doctor. And that opened my mind again to a whole nother thing, which right. was like, wow, like, tell me more. Like, I wanted to know more than yeah. about that. It wasn't just, oh, I'm using pot so I can go get high. Right. It was actually, they were using it as a wellness tool to help them. That opened me up again. And, you know, like I said, my idea, my thoughts about it have really changed over the years. I, I don't recommend that to people. That's not the pathway for me. But, wow, so well, different. It makes me start to think about kind of harm reduction, too, is, you know, for somebody that's cutting, right? Like, harm reduction is a path of recovery. Like, okay, I, I'm harming myself every day, and now I've reduced my harm to myself to, like, maybe once a week, right? Mm-hmm. And does that mm-hmm. mean that I'm not in recovery because mm-hmm. I've now reduced it, you know? And... And that is a pathway to recovery is reducing your harm in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. I think for me that my my view on recovery was narrow for a long, long time. But as I grew in my recovery, my pathways also had to grow as well. We evolved. Um, so I know for me, 12 steps were the way to go. I had faith in it. I allowed it uh, to develop in my life. And then I got to a point where I knew I needed more spirituality in my life. Mm-hmm. And the 12-step program developed my spirituality, allowed me to grow. But I knew for me, being honest with myself, I needed more of that so that I could continue to grow in my pathway to recovery. And so getting back to the pot thing a little bit, um, like Jim was saying, I know for me, that, that that absolutely wouldn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But for other people, we have to take into consideration where they are in their recovery. And smoking pot instead of drinking beer or smoking pot instead of doing some other type of substance is a pathway to recovery if they're honest with themselves and they utilize it mm-hmm. to improve the quality of their life. Because yep. I think right. when we're in recovery... And, and we're on a pathway. The whole goal is to be able to sustain and build relationships that are healthy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if, like you were saying earlier, who's to say? Who's to say I, what, yeah. what people have to do? Yeah. But as long as we're willing to support and help one another find that path, whatever mm-hmm. that path might be, mm-hmm. I think is, is important to be able to support one another in that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also really important like to to know, you know, what those other paths are, even though maybe I'm not practicing them in my life, but just to know like this this world is so much bigger. Like I remember my sister, she's a licensed addictions counselor, and um she would tell me in my early recovery that there's more ways 
to achieve recovery than just the way that you're doing, Ashley. And I would go toe to toe with her and I would, <laughs> we would butt heads and I would fight with her. Because you I were said, like, no, no, and no. And I was no. like, no, you're wrong. And she's like, no, I'm not. And now I'm like, okay, you were right. And, yeah. you know, yeah. like, and as I evolve in my recovery, like it, it definitely helps me in the work that I do help other people evolve in theirs because I mean, like smart recovery, I had no idea what that was about. Yeah. And that's a path and it's really strength-based. Yeah. It's a strength-based yeah. approach yeah. Yeah, um, so. rather than deficit-based. You know, for me, I needed to, I need to really focus on my deficits. But now as I evolve, like I really want to focus on my strengths. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and so that's a different path that if somebody's struggling in the path that they're currently in, you could do, right? And it doesn't mean that you failed in the other one. You just wasn't working for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I remember having this discovery early on in my recovery about spirituality. And it was really my therapist who had recommended to me to go to this forest preserve. So it was between my house and where I went to therapy. This is, I was living in Chicago. And so you don't have a lot of open spaces, right? But there's this little forest preserve. So it's like three acres of trees, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And there's a path through there. So she says, you know that, you know, you should stop there on the way after therapy on your way back home and walk before you go home. Okay. So yeah. I walk this path. Okay, I'm done. I come back. Okay, I walk the path, you know, and she's like, okay, just keep doing that for a while, you know. And, and so it took a little bit and, you know, one of the times I was out there, it's like, oh, it's, oh, there's, there's birds out here. There's squirrels. There's, you know, like yeah. you start to notice things, right? You're, you're moving outside yourself more, right? You start to see, you know, they're pretty, okay, there's rabbits and there's, you know, this starts evolving. Anyway, so I got tired of that path eventually, you know, after you walk it a dozen times, you're like, yeah, okay. You know, so then I find this state park and, uh, so I go to the state park and I can't remember how many miles that one was. It, it was longer, but it was now like 10 acres, right? So now it's bigger. And so one time I, I came around this curve and there was a deer standing, a white-tailed deer right in the path. It was kind of eating the grass. And just the way the path was, neither one of us saw each other till we were really close. Mm. So the deer looks at me and I look at the deer and the deer looks at me and I look at the deer and then the deer just starts eating the grass again. And I went, the deer doesn't give a shit that I'm like all fucked up. Yeah. Like yeah. the deer doesn't care, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, wow, there's a place here for me yeah. in this, I called it wilderness, but, you know, living in Montana now, like it wasn't really wilderness, right? But in this forest, the deer don't care. And so I just walked around the deer and I just kept walking, you know, but that was a big moment for me mm -hmm. because when I did move out here, right, like I went through this whole sort of journey over the next handful of years, when I did move out here and I came out to a place like Yellowstone and I stood in front of a herd of 200 elk, I had that same experience mm, and cool. it was like, oh, wow, this is a place for me. These animals don't care. You're just a person and you're not harming them and they're not going to harm you. And like that opened up that spiritual world for Absolutely. me because I couldn't get it through 12 step. It pissed me off 
God and that, right? Like it, it just, that worked on me because I just wasn't in the place to, right. to be accepting of that. So my way kind of went through the outdoors, awakening that spirituality in me. And that became a big part and still is today of my recovery. But I think about how that is lacking a lot today in treatment programs. We don't think of that, how powerful something like that could be. Right. I think bringing up treatment programs is if you want to get help in one of these treatment programs, it's it's basically like there's no voice or right. choice right. in the way that it's going to work. And I think that goes for substance abuse and mental health. Like it's it's their way or the highway. And right. you don't really have the freedom to explore or even say with being taken seriously, like, hey, this isn't working for me. Right. You know what I mean? Like this, you're non-compliant. The, you're non-compliant <laughs> or you're against medical advice. Right. And right. you know what I mean? Like this is not working for yeah. me. You know, that's one thing I think about you know, the lifestyle change that recovery brings is like, now that I'm adopting this as a lifestyle, like I have the choice, I have the voice to be like, okay, this piece isn't working, like I'm going to do something else. And knowing that there's so many pathways to kind of pick and choose to make my own is kind of cool. One of the things that, (laughs) that I enjoy the further down the path of recovery that I get is that I get to see other pathways than the ones that I've chosen for myself. Mm -hmm. And choosing to be open-minded and willing to listen to those different pathways gives me the opportunity to be able to integrate Mm -hmm. some of those thoughts and those ideas that they're using Mm -hmm. that are helping them. Mm -hmm. Maybe not all of their thoughts and ideas Mm -hmm. of what's what they're able to utilize and help in their recovery. Mm-hmm. But I can I can pick and choose those that are going to work for me and I can adapt it and put it into my own recovery routine right. um, that's going to help me stay more grounded and stay more connected to recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be cool if there was some way, like, you know, when a person is kind of early in recovery to, it's, it's like a, like if you could lay a deck of cards out in front of them and each card represents a different sort of pathway that somebody could choose from and experiment. I think back through my life about how I, you know, there were times where I, I learned about different things for a while and then you just sort of move in a different direction or maybe you stay with it and you pick up some of those things and they have good value and meaning in my life and you can discard them and you can pick them back up again and sort of just meander your way through it that just that notion of well this is the way and if you're not you're if you're not doing it this way you're non-compliant i mean mm-hmm. i've shared this many times in telling my recovery story that you know being being told in a because i'm co-occurring so in the sud center i mean i had to sign a thing that said i wouldn't talk about my mental health and when i'm mm-hmm. at the mental health center I'm not to be talking about my addiction stuff. And right. like it was so separated 25 years ago, right? And it was now like, like, you know, me being co-occurring also myself, like it is so directly related to each other. Yeah. I mean, they're integrated. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and even back then when they were saying that to me, I knew that wasn't right. Even back then, mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't right. I knew they were connected together. But yet here's these professionals saying, 
Well, I mean, I totally remember this. They called me into the office and told me I couldn't talk about my suicide attempts at the SUD center. Mm. They made me sign a thing. And they had my counselor there. They had the director there. It was a big deal. They were going to kick me out mm. of the program. And it was like, okay, I guess. I mean, I signed it because it's like, otherwise you can't go to the program. But they were so integrated in, into one another. And it really wasn't until I began addressing both that I really could make progress you know, in my recovery, but Absolutely. that separation, I hope has, has passed, I, I think, but I still come across programs in the work I do with MPN. I still come across programs who only address one or the other. Yeah. I know for myself that, so I was court ordered to do mental health treatment and chemical dependency. And, you know, at the time I'm like, whatever, Mm -hmm. I'll just do what I have to do to get off paper so I can do what I want. But once I was doing mental health, and then once I was doing chemical dependency, and I came to a point where I wanted to apply what I was learning, because it took a while for me to even to become willing to mm -hmm. buy in to what was being suggested to me, mm -hmm. something internally inside of me told me that I have to address my mental health as well as my chemical dependency issues simultaneously. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Right. I mean, right. if I just address, address mental health, I'd be self-medicating for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. If I only addressed chemical dependency issues, then I would want to still be self-medicating because I'd be having these extracurricular activities that are going on that are mm -hmm. only mine right. that I'm trying to reason through and understand. Yeah. Um, and so I believe for me, it was a spiritual thing that I had that realization and chose to address both issues at the same time and stay involved throughout my recovery mm -hmm. um, in both areas. Mm -hmm. And and like Ashley was saying, for me, they go, they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And both pathways, whether you're only choosing SUD or only choosing mental health, for me, I can integrate them both and they work simultaneously mm -hmm. together with one another. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And it's, you know, for me, it's, it's like within my diagnoses, right? I, I have two paths, right? Like, so for my mental health, I'm doing medically assisted treatment. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For my substance abuse, I am not doing medically assisted treatment, right? right? And right. it's like, right. those can exist right. together, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. so I think because I'm in medically assisted treatment for my mental health, that it really helps me to see how that's helpful in um, substance abuse, like mm -hmm. people who are using it for substance mm -hmm. abuse, like mm -hmm. it helps me mm -hmm. to open my mind to that. Because if I look at like, whoa, that is a path that I'm using, right? I'm using that path, you right. know, right. and um, it's just for a different area of recovery. And um, well, yeah, and even just the use of those terms, I mean, that's not something that would have been used just a handful of years ago. No. And I don't, I don't know why these terms get so segregated into a particular way. It's like um, another example, you know, a lot of people, I mean, this comes up in peer support 101, a lot of people feel like, oh, recovery. Oh, I thought you meant substance use. 
it's like, like there's a it, monopoly on the yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, but it's like no, like recovery or or another good one is um, PTSD. That's only for people who've gone to war, right? It's only for veterans, right? Like it's like I don't know how that happens in our society where these words get sort of like co-opted into one right. demographic, I guess, right? But it's like no, it's like recovery, like recovery, like. <laughs> There's all kinds of recovery. There I mean, is. Like, you know, where right? do you go after birth? The recovery the, 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 the recovery room. room. <laughs> yeah. Like people recover all the time yeah. from different things. And so I think when you put it in different perspective for people, then they start to see, oh, oh, that is possible. Like it sort of opens people's minds more and that it's not exclusive. I mean, you can be recovering from all kinds of things. I think for me, looking at my own evolution in recovery. I think that sometimes I know in the past that I have been judgmental or self-righteous based on the limited amount of information yeah. that I knew about recovery. Yeah, sure. Um, and so when I'm locked into one way of thinking and, and like Ashley was saying earlier, this is the only way to recovery and this is yeah. recovery and there are not many pathways and there's only one way. When someone introduces themselves in recovery and it doesn't suit our criteria, um, sometimes we get, we get judgmental and we don't accept their way of recovery. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with just not knowing. Um, yeah many pathways to recovery. Mm -hmm. Me as an individual, I've had to re-examine my own belief system mm -hmm. and know that just because another individual has a different pathway to recovery doesn't mean that it's wrong. Right. And, and that my pathway might be different and I might have a different set of criteria for me to stay in recovery than they do, but that doesn't mean that they're not in recovery and that doesn't mean that I'm not in recovery. Um, it just means that I have to be open-minded to other people's ideas and ways that help them recover. And at the same time, stay true to what I know is gonna work for me. Absolutely. And that's, and that's me being honest with myself because there's, Lots of pathways to recovery that I would like to do, but my motives and my intentions are not pure whatsoever. It's a, it's a way to manipulate myself or try and uh, mm -hmm. give myself a reason to do something different that I know that's not going to work for me. Yeah. Um, but just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean it doesn't work for that other individual. Right. Well, that's really well said there, Bill. And I, and I think that's a good stopping point for us because I, like, I really like what you said. You sort of encapsulated, I think, what we're all kind of saying. So uh, for you, the listener, we really encourage you to check out the 10 Guiding Principles of Recovery. We've been talking about many pathways, which is one of those principles. And to listen to our other podcasts, where we're going to examine all of the uh, uh, guiding principles. And you can always check out all of our podcasts on our website, iTunes, and uh, SoundCloud. And we want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank my guests yeah. for, for coming on. Thank you very much. Yeah, and you can also go on to our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and let us know what pathway you're choosing. Exactly. Start a conversation on there and get talking about it. So... Thanks very much, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. possible.